Good morning, everybody. Our reading this morning comes from John chapter 14. And we'll actually be going through to verse 31. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for me anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Thank you, Simon. I've got something very special that I want to show you this morning as we kick our time off together. This is, um, well, to you and me, this looks like an old, kind of bedraggled, fluffy, pink, worn-out blanket, right? And it is, in many senses, that. But it's also very special because this is Piper's blanket of comfort. 
She's had this from the day that she was born. Um, some of you will know Steph Moran. I think Steph Moran gave her this blanket, and from the very first day that she was born, she has been wrapped up in this blanket. As a young toddler, she would um, pull this blanket over her before she went to sleep. And then as she started to grow and got a little bit longer, it would start to not quite be able to cover her toes at night. And so she would yell out to Mifari, come and tuck me in. I don't know how many times we got out of bed at night to come and tuck this blanket in over Piper's toes. Tomorrow, tomorrow Piper turns 10. I hope she gets up next week for the birthday songs. It's scary for her. But even for a 10-year-old, this blanket is still a sense of comfort. This blanket is still, in a sense, a bit like home. It's a form of security for her. Now, most of us who are in this room here have probably grown out of the security toys, the security blankets, those sort of things that young kids have. But here's my guess, is that I think we probably still all yearn for comfort or coziness or security. I think we all love that. We all want that in life, especially when we're upset. We want comfort and security. At the start of John chapter 14, the disciples' hearts are troubled. Did you pick that up when uh, Simon read it to us? And, And Jesus knows that their hearts are troubled. He can see that. Let me just read to you from verse 1 again. This is Jesus speaking here. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he says. You believe in God, believe also in me. Do you remember why, why they're upset? What's troubling them? There's no mystery or confusion here, is there? Jesus is about to leave them. Their teacher, their Lord, their friend is about to go away. And not just to go away, but he's about to go and die. His death is, is certain. The very next day, in fact, he will be dead. The disciples know that they're about to be abandoned. I wonder if you've ever had those feelings of being abandoned. I, I know someone who has a, who can share a story about being abandoned. It was probably back in the late 80s or maybe the early 90s and Miff and her family were at the football. They grew up in Victoria and weekend footy was just something that they did as a family. I think primarily it was to give Miff's mum a break because Miff's dad would take the four kids into the footy at the MCG and they'd watch their beloved Bombers play. Well, Miff was one of four kids. She had an older brother, then it was her, then she had a sister, and then a younger brother at the other end. And one day at one of these football matches in at the MCG, her sister needed to go to the toilet. Her sister was younger than her. And so her dad, as you would do, said to the two girls, you can go to the bathroom together, but look after each other. Take care of each other when you go to the bathroom. So the girls go off, make their way to the facilities. And a few minutes later, Meredith is back in her seat. Miff's back. She's on her own. Her younger sister, somewhere in the trip to the bathroom and coming back, she's lost her older sister and she's now abandoned. At the MCG, people everywhere. I reckon there are a few troubled hearts there that morning, particularly in Meredith's family. It's been years since, and I'm pretty sure this story has been embellished, but the way I understand it from hearing um, this is that across the loudspeaker at the whole of the MCG to all 80,000 people, whoever there was, a call came out, would John Frierson, that's Meredith's dad, would John Frierson please come to security? A small girl has been found looking for you. She was abandoned. Luckily, she was found. 
And perhaps you've got a similar experience as a kid, losing mum or dad at the shopping centre or something like that. Being abandoned, it's a pretty powerful human emotion, isn't it? Now, at the start of John chapter 14, the disciples' hearts are troubled because they think they're about to be abandoned by their Lord. He's not just leaving them, he's going to die. And where he's going, he's told them they can't come. And I reckon they must have begun to wonder at this point, is it all worth it? I've given you three years following you around, Jesus. I could have caught a lot of fish in that time. What do you mean you're about to leave us? What do you mean you're about to go? Disciples are upset. And my guess is that at least at one point in our lives, all of us have felt this way, not just being abandoned by friends or family, but we probably also have felt a similar sort of thing towards God. Maybe you've thought, God, why have you left us alone? If you're an all-powerful and an everlasting God, why aren't you here today in flesh? Maybe you thought, if only I could see God, if I could see him with my eyes, then I'd be able to follow wholeheartedly. Then I'd know what to do. Then everything would be okay. When have you ever felt like that? I reckon that's the background to this chapter. That's what the disciples are feeling. That's how we're supposed to come to this chapter. And I want you to see this morning that this chapter, chapter 14 of John, is great news for us. It's wonderful news. Because in this chapter, Jesus tells his disciples that although he's going, he's not leaving them as orphans. It's a great thing to hear. Although Jesus must die, although he must go to the cross... Chapter 14 is really about hope and security. Hope and security not for the man who's about to die, not for the man who's about to go to the cross, but for his followers, for his disciples. And by the end of today, I hope that chapter 14 will be a bit like a warm blanket, a bit like Piper's comfort blanket here for you. That it's something to pull around you when you're feeling abandoned or lost or separated, particularly from God. Sure, Jesus is not here physically today. He's not. But he's not abandoned us, just as he's not abandoned the disciples in chapter 14. In fact, I want to go one step further and say that he's going, Jesus is leaving the disciples for their benefit. In fact, he's leaving for our benefit. And we see that in three ways in our passage today. If you've got your leaflet, you'll see a kind of extended talk outlined there for you. But here's the three things that I want to look at with you this morning. Firstly, his going, Jesus going from the disciples is for the disciples' benefit and for ours because in going, he goes to prepare a room in the Father's house for us. Secondly, His going is the occasion and the means by which he'll ask the Father to send another advocate for the disciples, an advocate who'll be with them forever, forever. And thirdly, I want you to see today that his going, it's not a permanent thing. He won't be permanently dead. Just as he too will live, so the disciples will live. Don't let your heart be troubled, Jesus says. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. That's what I want to look at with you firstly. If you've got your Bibles there, have a look at the start of John chapter 14. I'll read it. I think the words will come up on the screen as well, just verses 1 to 3. This is what it says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, 
Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So here's the great bit of comfort for us. My father's house has many rooms, Jesus says. For me, this is one of the most comforting images in in the whole of the Gospels. I wonder if you delight in being at home. Do you like your home? Do you like the coziness of home? Do you like the familiarity and the security that home gives to you? My little Hamish, who's four, he so often says to me, Dad, when can we go home? It's one of his catch cries. He asks it when he's tired or when he's had enough of the tasks that he's doing. But he'll even ask it in some ways when he's at home but something uncomfortable is happening. So earlier this week, he was helping me clean out the chicken cage and make a new nest for the chickens. And the the chickens were getting too close and they were being a bit scary. And so he says to me, Dad, when can we go home? We're, We're at home, we're in the backyard of our house, but it's uncomfortable with the chickens getting too close. Dad, when can I go home? And for Hamish, what he means is, when can I go to the comfort and the security and the coziness of being indoors away from these scary chickens? I hope your home feels like that for you also today. A sense of comfort and security. And if it does, then I think you'll see why these passages bring so much joy for us. Jesus is not leaving his disciples because he's sick of them. He's not looking for a change in life or a new direction to head in. It's not that Jesus would simply be somewhere else. He loves his disciples. Remember back in chapter 13, he said that he will love them to the end. And that now means that he must go. He's going so that he can prepare a room in his father's house. And that that offer is available for us today as well. He's left in order to prepare a place for us. This morning you might be wondering, where is that place? And, And in one sense, Jesus doesn't really tell us. Although I think probably the most logical interpretation of this passage is that he's going to heaven in order to do that. Instead, what he says is that he will return. He will come back. And he'll take the disciples to be with him so that they may be where he is. They're feeling abandoned. And yet when he's done the work of preparing a room for them, he'll come back and get them and they will no longer be separated. He'll be with them. How is this all possible? Well, well, Thomas is just as confused as we might be at this point. And I'm glad for Thomas' confusion because that prompts Jesus to say this very famous verse that we, we talked about in our kids' talk. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is one of those I am sayings in John's Gospel. You might remember if you were with us last year as we worked our way through some of these I am sayings. This is the memory verse that the kids are learning out in their programs as they work their way through John's gospel. It's an amazing verse, isn't it? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Thomas, he wants to know how to get home, right? He wants to know how to get to that room in the Father's house. And Jesus says to him, I'm the way, Thomas. You get to the Father through me. Indeed, there's no other way of getting there. Even if you wanted another way, there is no other way. I am the only way. It's exclusive, isn't it? And for some, this is a verse that's hard to take, Jesus being the only way. 
But I want to suggest this morning that it is also a delight, this verse, because here is a certain and sure way to the Father. Through Jesus. It's not vague or ambiguous. We get to the Father through Jesus. I wonder what you think about in what way is Jesus the truth? What way is he the truth? Here's what I reckon. He is the best and the supreme revelation of who God is. If you want to see God, then you look to the person of Jesus. He's the truth because he does and he says only what the Father gives him to do and to say. Just like we read in the start of John's Gospel in chapter 1. He is God's Word made flesh. And his life... His life in the sense that he's the one who's just raised Lazarus from the dead. If you remember that a few chapters ago in John's Gospel. He is the one who gives life. He is, as he said in chapter 11 and 12, the resurrection and the life. He is the one who by believing in him we may have life in his name. Eternal life. And all these things then mean that he is the way to the Father. I like what Don Carson says here. I'm paraphrasing slightly to put it in more... Australian language she says we don't need to get into the vibe of Jesus actually what Carson says is we don't need to get into the atmosphere of the life in which he lived he goes on to say this and I quote here following Jesus is a good thing but the way does not mean imitating him he Jesus is himself the saviour the lamb of God The one who so speaks that those who are in the grave hear his voice and come forth. He so mediates God's truth and God's life that he is the very way to God. The one alone who can say, no one comes to the Father except through me. So here's the thing, the disciples are feeling abandoned, right? Upset because their Lord and their Saviour is going... But his going's for their good because he's prepared a place for them. A place in their father's house. And he's prepared a room for them there. Well, unfortunately, we don't have time to go through the whole of this chapter. It's a great chapter and I'd love you to keep reading uh, this chapter this week. I do find it a little bit hard to skip over the next bit. But what I want us to do now is to move down to look at the provision of the Holy Spirit. And we get that in about verse 15 of this chapter. So come down with me in your Bibles to verse 15. I'm going to read to you from there. It says this, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now we're going to learn a bit more about the sending of the Spirit in the coming weeks as we keep working our way through these middle chapters of John. But here I want you to see just how the Spirit is described. In this version of the Bible, in the new NIV, the Spirit is called the Advocate. If you've got an older version of the NIV or another form of Bible in front of you, you might have instead Counselor or some of you might even have Comforter in your Bible. I think the the term Advocate is really helpful for us here because... This is to do in some ways with like legal representation. Counselor works as well if we think about it in the the terms of a legal counselor. So not like a marriage counselor or a camp counselor, but rather legal counsel. And so in one sense then the spirit speaks or writes in defense of a person. 
And like an advocate, they offer support, especially to those who otherwise would not be heard. And advocates also help you to perceive information that you need to know in order to progress through what you're doing. And that's how Jesus names the Spirit, as an advocate, a support, a legal counsellor, someone who will assist us to understand things that otherwise might be confusing. And you see here, Jesus sends, he sends another advocate. And although John never calls Jesus an advocate or a paraclete in his gospel, he does do that in his letters. So clearly, Jesus has already been advocating on behalf of the disciples. I take it that's both in the heavenly courts and here on earth. But here's the thing, here's the source of hope. His going means that he's sending another advocate. And that advocate will be with them forever. Did you see that there? Forever. So if you're a disciple of Jesus today or a follower of him, I hope this is an encouragement for you also. See, we too, we live in a time just like the disciples are about to be in where Jesus is not physically present with us. You might think, how much easier would it be if he was here physically with us? And perhaps that's true, but he's not. But it doesn't mean we're on our own. In his absence... He sends another advocate, one that is with us forever. And this advocate is the spirit of truth. The advocate will help us to see. He will assist us to see exactly who the Father is and how we get to the Father. That's through the person of Jesus. Some of you may wonder as you read on, is the sending of the Spirit conditional upon the disciples' love for Jesus? I'm not sure that's actually the case here, but rather it seems more likely to be describing the sort of relationship that happens between Jesus and his disciples here. If you love me and keep my commands, that's one part of the relationship. If you obey me, he in turn will request of the Father the sending of another advocate. So two promises so far we've seen. Two promises of hope from Jesus. I'm going, but I'm going to prepare a room for you. I'm going, and in my absence, I'm going to send you another advocate. I wonder how you'd be feeling at this point if you were one of the disciples in that upper room. These are good things, aren't they? Good reasons for Jesus to go. But I reckon their hearts would still be a little troubled because they love Jesus and he's still going. It's kind of like terrible tasting medicine in one sense, isn't it? They know it's good for him to go, take the medicine. You've still got to swallow it though, don't you? But they're losing their teacher and their Lord and their friend. It'd be like saying to a, a young child who's just lost a parent, it's okay, someone's going to send you another mother at some point. Sure, having another mother is better than having no mum at all, but it's not really having a mum that matters, is it? It's having their mum that the child cares about. That's what's really important. Disciples want their Jesus, their Lord. And here's the last bit of hope that I want us to see. It's there in verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. I think what Jesus is saying here is that I'm about to die You can't follow me where I'm going, but I will be back. Physically, I'll be back. Not just in spirit, but as a living, breathing advocate for you, as your friend and as your teacher and as your Lord. When's that going to happen? Well, after the resurrection, isn't it? 
The very next day from when Jesus tells his story, he's going to be dead. But he will live again. Three days later, he'll rise from the dead and he'll return to be with his disciples. That, I think, is terrific news for them. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going. It will be terrible. I will die, but I will live again. So don't let your hearts be troubled. And for us today, surely this has got to be great news. Because Jesus also says to his disciples, you will live as well. As disciples of Jesus, he's prepared a place for us in his Father's house. He's done that by the work of the cross. And he sent a spirit that will be with us forever. But he's also promised, just like he did to his disciples, that one day he will be physically back with us. John 14 is great news for us in that sense. If you're feeling abandoned by God today, it's great news for us if you just want to cry out to God, show yourself. Because he has promised to do it. He will come back. He's not abandoned us. I'm going to wrap up this morning with some words that I hope are as comforting as Piper's blanket for you. These words don't come from John. They come from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. They speak of the certain return of Jesus and how that's going to work. If you're feeling abandoned today, abandoned by God, and you need some comfort, I hope these words do that for you. Let me read to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We too have a strong and certain promise that he will come back and we too will rise again. Let me pray for us. Father God, we give you thanks for John's writing that reminds us that there is a way to you through Jesus, that he is the truth and the life and the way to you. We thank you for Jesus' promise that a room has been made for us in heaven, a room that we understand from the rest of Scripture was made before the beginning of time but was prepared and made right through Jesus' death and resurrection. Father, today we give you thanks for the gift of your Spirit that equips us to be your hands and feet in this world. And we pray that you would help us to be confident of your son's return physically in the age to come. Amen.